please note that this series of podcasts was written and recorded prior to the events of July 7, 2021. These podcasts are focused on how we arrived at the current crisis. But we would be remiss to not make note that Jovenel Moise was assassinated in the early hours of July 7. In the coming days, as we know more, we hope to release further podcasts with more information. Join us in praying for our friends in Haiti, for the security situation in the country, and for the family of Jovenel Moise. My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. This is part two of a three-part series on the current crisis in Haiti. In our last episode, we introduced the early characters of the story, Papa Doc, Baby Doc, and Aristide. Together and with their followers, dangerous cracks already present in the country started to split even wider and we will start to see the rise of what will become current-day Haiti's most pressing problem, armed gangs. Picking up from where we left off, Aristide has just been flown to exile. Aristide finds himself up in an airplane, not knowing his destination. For 24 hours, the world hears nothing. He is simply in the air. He is eventually deposited in the dusty, war-ridden nation of the Central African Republic. He will not return to Haiti. For seven more years. In his place, a UN peacekeeping mission will enter Haiti to set up a new government. The initial purpose of the UN is to fill the hole left by the departure of the president, to hold elections and support the new government. Quickly, though, they realize that the primary, primary issue in Haiti are gangs that control entire sections of the capital city. In response to this, they mobilize troops and enter the tough areas of Port-au-Prince, Cité Soleil, Matisson, La Saline, and start to battle the gang leaders. It seems from UN documents that these soldiers fought the gangs ferociously, eventually eliminating their leaders. This initial move was wildly popular with the population that was terrorized by these armed bands. Even now, I hear the constant wishes from everyday Haitians, and when I say everyday Haitians, I mean poor Haitians, not politicians, hoping that U.S. troops will come in and do the same today. As we discussed in the last episode, Haitians do not mince words about what they hope will become of the gang leaders in their country. They clearly want them killed. I am now going to skim over a decade of history to try to bring us closer to the present day. The next 10 years saw a continued UN occupation in Haiti, split by one of the worst earthquakes in the history of the Western Hemisphere. Slowly, the UN became more and more unpopular. Allegations of prostitution, coupled with a major cholera outbreak emanating from a UN post, slowly eroded UN popularity to the extent that nearly the entire country wanted them to leave. The UN began training the Haitian National Police Force in hopes that they would be able to take the mantle of security. And eventually, as crime starts to rise in Haiti, the UN will pull out permanently. Concurrent with this discussion, an election is held in 2015 for the president of Haiti. At this point, we are starting to see the seeds of crisis, planted in 2004 by the arming of the gangs, start to sprout. The election, like nearly every election ever held in Haiti's 200-year history, was widely contested. It sparked riots and manifestations against the leader after the first round of elections. Given these issues, the election was put off and put off until it was finally rescheduled the next year. In late 2016, an election was held and an entrepreneur and businessman from the North named Jovenel Moise was brought into office. President Moise is a central person to the current crisis in Haiti. A tall, slender, somewhat soft-spoken man, he made his relative wealth with banana plantations in the North of the country leading to his campaign nickname of the Banana Man. 
Moise is a difficult person to understand. Is he corrupt or isn't he? Depends on who you asked. From talking with many people, even if he is not particularly corrupt, he is very weak. The lead-up to today's crisis comprises two primary events, Petro Caribe and something called Paylock. And before we discuss these, I want to highlight why they are so important. If you read the international media today, the primary issue discussed about Haiti is a political impasse. And yet, if you talk to the average Haitian, they will all tell you that the primary three issues are insecurity, insecurity, and insecurity. And by insecurity, they mean armed gangs throughout the country who operate with impunity. In the last episode, we discussed how the gangs arose. In this episode, we're going to talk about how these two events that we just mentioned broke down government authority and left a power vacuum. And politics, like nature, abhors a vacuum. Let us start with the first issue, Petro Caribe. Long ago, when Venezuela was still a wealthy communist gas giant, they hoped to spread their influence in the Caribbean. And Venezuela looked around at what they had to offer, and they saw oil, lots of it. They sidled up to Haiti's government and said, hey, what if we do this? We'll give you oil, and you can pay 50% now and 50% in 25 years. Then you can use the money you make from selling that oil to your citizens to build hospitals and schools. Haiti said, well, yes, we would love that. Thus, the program Petro Caribe was born. This program kept going until Venezuela imploded on itself in recent years, and an accounting was done. The results were not pretty. $4 billion had allegedly been spent on development projects, but there was apparently widespread corruption. Only 77% of funds could ever be accounted for. Now, most of this program was before President Moise came into office, you might say. But reports started to leak out that Moise, yes, the president, had been the head of a banana firm that had been double paid for a $400,000 road project. This led to protests almost from the day President Moise took office. But they started to worsen in 2018. Let's be clear that I was not present in Haiti at the time, but they seem to have started as citizens genuinely concerned and angry about the embezzlement of government funds. They demanded the president's resignation. But the protests amplified more and more, beyond peaceful demonstrations. It is widely believed, if you speak to Haitians, that protests started to be funded by politicians that opposed the president. They turned violent. Many, many people were killed. As these riots mounted, President Moise refused to step down. The dissidents and those financing the protests decided to step things up a notch. In mid-2019, Haiti became Pei-Lok. Pei meaning country in Haitian Creole, this roughly translates to a locked-down country. And when I say lockdown, I mean it was fully shut down. Gangs were paid by opposition politicians to set up barricades on every major road in the country, even small cut-throughs. In the rural areas, the dirt roads had roadblocks to stop traffic. The population was cut off from any goods and services for two and a half months, everyone sitting in their homes waiting for the country to reopen. In December 2019, the blockade on the country was lifted. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief. People could return to work, go to the market, and visit family. But the damage was done. Massive percentages of stores and companies had been run out of business. Consequently, jobs dried up. Families were hungry. But at least people had survived and could hope for the future. Unfortunately for Haiti, as with the rest of the world, things would go from bad to worse in 2020. Before we go to part three of this series, let's talk for a second about the broad strokes here. In part one, we discussed how the breakdown of the Haitian dictatorship created a battle between the new government and vestiges of those who benefited under the Duvaliers. Ultimately, the new government decided that creating armed gangs 
could help them in this battle. And since that moment, gangs have played a pivotal role in Haiti. In this part, we see that the current president becomes embroiled in scandals. Well-meaning and justified protests lead to paralysis of the entire country. The government is weakened to the point that it cannot exert control in any corner of the country. And so now, headed into a tumultuous 2020, we have a power vacuum from a weakened government and armed gangs in every neighborhood. The results will be predictably disastrous. To learn about Haiti today, continue with us to episode 3.